I have a friend who lives in one of the most restricted areas of the world in terms of evangelism and gospel proclamation. This particular friend lives in a country where if you convert to Christ, you would be in prison for a very long time. Those who help convert or baptize them are in a great deal of trouble with the authorities. Although evangelism is legal within the walls of the church, it is illegal to convert somebody from another religion. And this dear friend of mine um, has been used of God for the past 35 years to baptize more people into Christ than any single individual in all of the modern missionary movement. And to say that the authorities are not very happy with him uh, would be a gross understatement. His phone is monitored, his home is bugged, his family is constantly watched. One day the authorities really just had it with him. So they brought him in for questioning, and they did everything within their legal purview to intimidate him, to anger him, and indeed in trying to silence him and stop him. They said to him, don't you know that we can put you in prison for a very long time? He said, that would be a great blessing to me. I have so many books that I want to write, and I don't have the time because As you know, I'm involved in evangelism. (laughs) When that did not work, they said, Do you know that we can deport you from this country never to be able to come back here again? He said, What a blessing that would be. My grandchildren live overseas, and I haven't been able to spend much time with them. I would love to spend extended time in my sunset years with my grandchildren. Well, When that did not work, they said, uh, do you know that we can actually kill you? I mean, we get you to disappear and nobody would know where you are. He said, that would be wonderful. He said, I would be in heaven with Jesus serving him in person. No matter what threats they threw his way, that man with great joy responded positively and affirmatively. No matter what happens to this man, he said he's not going to lose his joy. He's nobody going to take the joy of the Lord out of him. Now we began a series of messages from the epistle to the Philippians, the epistle of joy. I'm calling it, it is contagious, pass it on. And we saw in the first message how to catch it. And today I want to talk to you about how to keep it. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12, because in this particular passage, you're going to find that so many people and events and circumstances seem to have conspired together in order to take away the joy of the Lord out of Paul's life, but he refused to let them. Now, beloved, I don't need to tell you that many of us today are going through a tough time. We're going through a host of circumstances and people that seem to have conspired to cause us a loss of joy. I know some of you have suffering the loss of jobs. Some of you have suffering the loss of fortune. Others 
suffering loss of health, and, and some are suffering the loss of loved ones, and various attacks by people who falsely accuse us, and, and angry and envious people who seek to destroy us, uh, malicious people who don't like us because of what we stand for, or a host of other circumstances that are conspiring together trying to make us lose the joy of the Lord. In writing to the Philippians, Paul does not gloss over these enemies of his joy. He does not gloss over these things. He does not minimize the effect of these robbers of his joy. He does not pretend that these facts did not exist or nothing is really happening and I'll be all right. No, no, no. But he said, hard as these people and events may work, they will not rob me of my joy. Painful as these people and events may be to me, they will not take away my joy. Potent and powerful as these enemies of my joy may be, I will keep my joy no matter what. Here's what is happening, just to give you the background here. Paul had been away from Philippi, the beloved church that he founded. He's been away from them for about four years. And the news came to them. Paul is in Rome, is in a Roman prison. He's under arrest. And surprise, surprise, the rumor mill started. There were no cell phones, and, and there were no Twitters, and and uh, Facebook, and all that stuff that goes out fast, and people correct information, and all that stuff. The rumors started, and you know how rumors you know, get exaggerated and get blown out of proportion, and by the time we got to Philippi, I said, Paul is dead. Some of Paul's dear friends were really concerned. They were deeply worried about him, about his freedom, about his liberty, about his health, and about his well-being. Uh, but some of them thought to themselves, you know, these are the super-duper Christians. You know some of them, don't you? They're the super-Christians. They said, well, you know, goes to show you. Paul must have been a sinner. Why else would he go to prison? These are the people who never look at themselves in the mirror. These are the folks who um, try to cover up their misery by pointing their finger at others. These are the jury, judge, and executioners in the Christian church. These are the people who are wonderful in their own eyes. <laughs> I mean, they are in love with their opinions. They're in love with their ideas. Those are the people who insist that the moment someone is suffering, oh, there must be a sin somewhere. And they're going around sniffing sin <laughs> in people's lives. God bless them. I mean, they're the spiritual police. They are the know-it-all people. Uh, they are the ones who have said, well, I knew it. I knew sooner or later this is going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Had Paul just kept his mouth shut, you know, had he just got off his high horse, had Paul just shut up about Jesus being the only way to heaven, uh, had he not gone to Jerusalem like we told him not to go, uh, had he just not appealed to Caesar like he did, had he just went along to get along, had he just not attacked the enemies of the gospel, had he just not tried to criticize all these Pharisees in the church, and had he just let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> this would not have happened to him. He brought it on himself. I want you to look with me. There are four things here that have conspired 
to steal Paul's joy. Four things. I want you to look at them in your Bibles. First, it was his imprisonment, verses 12 to 14. Secondly, there were the detractors, (laughs) verses 15 to 18. And thirdly, there was the possibility of death, verses 19 to 21. And then finally, there is the uncertainty about the will of God in Paul's life at this moment in his life. Four things all conspired in order to steal Paul's joy. Look at the first one. Paul said in verses 12 to 14, he said, what you heard about my imprisonment is true. Ah, but the rumor of my death has been greatly exaggerated. (laughs) A rough translation, but you get the meaning. He is saying, you've only heard the bad news. You haven't heard the good news. I wonder how many of us When we're going through the roughest time probably in your life, you are in uncharted waters and and you experience all kinds of pain and all kinds of uncertainty. Somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I heard about what you're going through and says, oh, but listen, that is the bad news. Let me tell you the good news. (laughs) I wonder how many of us can do that. And that's what Paul is doing here. Because when you do that, you absolutely foil Satan's plot to steal away your joy. Paul said, let me tell you about the good news of my imprisonment. (laughs) The name of Jesus is being spread throughout the palace guard. Now, this praetorium guard is about 9,000 strong. They served in, in different shifts. And Paul was ecstatic that so many of them are now talking about this fellow Paul who is preaching the Lord Jesus Christ as the only God of heaven. They're all asking questions, who is Jesus? And Paul is saying, that is the best thing about my imprisonment. I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) Paul is ecstatic about his imprisonment that is getting people talking about Jesus. He said that as long as they're talking about Jesus, it's all right, I'm fine. (laughs) Not only that, but some spineless Christians who are afraid to testify to their faith in Jesus Christ, lest they get rejected, those who timid souls were, were, were basically sitting, at, quote my book, on their blessed assurance and basically not doing anything. But when they heard about Paul's imprisonment and his courage, they got some backbone in them. They got some courage, and they began to witness to their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul said, isn't that great? <laughs> isn't that a great news? They thought that when they put me in prison, the cause of Christ would die, but the opposite is happening. Back in the 80s, my wife and I had the joy of meeting a wonderful Christian young woman. And I talk about beautiful in every way, highly educated with degrees, and comes from a prominent family. But then she was thrown into prison because she was converted to Christ. And we were talking, and and she said, you know, how wonderful of the Lord to allow me to go to prison. I said, can you say that again? She said, you know, after I was baptized into Christ, I wanted to go into the women's prison, and I wanted to testify to them about the power of Christ working in me and forgiving me and saving me. But they wouldn't allow me. It's illegal. You can't do that. And so when the government discovered that I became a Christian, they put me in this woman's prison. And I said, I could not find a way to get in. God found a way to get me on the inside. 
And for six weeks, literally every single prison mate in that women's prison knew about Jesus. It was so bad for the authority, they had to release her <laughs> early. <laughs> they said, get out of here. What is the formula? J is for? Y is for? And O is for? When nothing comes between you and Jesus, you will have the joy of the Lord. And nobody can take it away from you. When nothing between you and Jesus, joy will be kept intact in your life, regardless of your circumstances. Far from resenting and lamenting his hardship, Paul said, Christ is being proclaimed, and that's the good news. (laughs) So imprisonment could not take away his joy. Secondly, detractors could not rob him of his joy. Look at verses 15 all the way to 18. Those envious, jealous hatreds of Paul's success, they turned his imprisonment into a malicious gossip. Man, they were having a ball. Now, remember, these were not the false believers and false brethren that he talked about in other parts. These were not heretical teachers. They were not unbelievers. They're the people in the church. They're the super-duper Christians. Those Christians who just wanted to show off how superior they are. Uh, They were the Christians who loved to create strife and put others down so that they can elevate themselves up. Uh, They were the Christians who want you to know that they are the only ones who've got it all together. Uh, they're the only ones. They're the troublemakers who are self-elevators. They, they are the uh, contentious people who always are right. No matter what the subject and what the topic or what the th- I'm right. They are the ones who maliciously wanted to hurt Paul because he would not kowtow to them. Those are the Christian Pharisees and fault finders. And Paul said, even they cannot rob me of my joy. They cannot do that. If the gospel is being preached, whatever their motive is, that makes no difference to me. Only God can judge motives. And Paul said, I'm not going to be that judge. I'm going to let God do that. But I know one thing. They're not going to steal my joy. They're not going to rob me of my joy. No matter what they say, no matter how false their accusations may be, no matter how contentious they may be. And so imprisonment would not rob him of his joy. Detractors could not rob him of his joy. Thirdly, even death is not going to rob him of his joy. Verse 19 all the way to 21. I know there are many believers who are afraid of death. Uh, It's just a fact. There are many people who love the Lord, they're saved, they know without a doubt if they die today, they'll be in heaven, and there's that certainty in their hearts, but they are fearful of death. I am not a superhuman being. I am telling you that I understand that emotion. The two times that I stirred death in the eye, I was terrified. But listen to me, death is the only thing we can be sure of. It's going to (laughs) happen. Sooner or later. Ah, but listen, listen, this is important. (laughs) The fear of it is Satan's tool to steal your joy in this life. 
Fear of death is Satan's tool to rob us of having the joy of living here and now. And Paul believed that one way or another, he's going to be delivered. He trusted in God so much. Look at verse 20. He said to them, it is because of your prayers and the power of the Holy Spirit, I will in no way be put to shame. Why? Because all I want in this life and from this life is the glory of Jesus. And when your overall goal in life is the glory of Jesus, nothing and no one can steal your joy. You know, you hear people say, oh, it's not about me. We hear that in the, in, among our leaders all the time now. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about them. <laughs> Shakespeare said, thou protestest too much. <laughs> but Paul can genuinely say, it is all about Jesus. And you know he's telling you the truth. He said, whether in life or death, as long as my motive is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing else matters. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know that word gain actually comes from the business world. It comes from return on the investment. You remember those? (laughs) Dividends. Return on the investments. (laughs) And that's where the word gain here comes from. Now, lots of people lost millions of dollars with Madoff, you know. And in fact, some people lost their all. But listen to me. Those who invest in Christ, their gain is going to be so humongous that it cannot be calculated. And whether it is be in this life or in the life to come, wherever it may be, Christ, when He is at the center, when nothing comes between you, you and Jesus, you, joy can never be stolen. It can never be lost. It can never go away from you. In other words, Paul is saying, heads you in, tails you in. <laughs> now, let me tell you something from my personal experience. Don't wait for the devil to devastate you. You devastate him. (laughs) There's nothing more devastating to the devil than you looking him in the eye and say, Devil, I am not afraid of death. Can you do that? Don't look at me now. (laughs) But you can look somewhere and say, Devil, (laughs) I am not afraid of death. Can you say that? I am not afraid of death. And while I'm at it, devil, I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of what happens to me. I'm not afraid of what happens to my children. I'm not afraid of anything. Just like my friend. We'll do this to you. Great. (laughs) We're going to do that to you. Great. See, the moment they think they can intimidate you, the devil will use them as instrument to make you live in fear to make you live a discouraged life, to make you live a fruitless life. It makes you live a joyless life. Imprisonment 
did not stop him from keeping his joy. Detractors did not stop him from keeping his joy. The possibility of death did not stop him from keeping his joy. And fourthly, uncertainty of the will of God in his life did not stop him from keeping his joy. Look at those verses 21 to 26. They're powerful. I'm going to explain to you why. Why they're relevant to so many of us today. I know some of you are going through some unfamiliar territories, professionally, financially, and in other ways. I know some of you are going through uncharted waters. I know that. And you are looking up to heaven and saying, Lord, what is your will for my life? Which way to go? And there is silence in heaven. I've been there. In many ways, I'm there in some areas, some issues. But it doesn't mean that God is not hearing you. It doesn't mean that God is not working on your behalf. It doesn't mean that God's plan is on His schedule, not yours. Talk about something that can really steal your joy. Uncertainty is one of those incredible temptations that the devil can use to steal your joy. When you're unsure what is the will of God for you, when you're not sure which way to go, and I'm not talking about the, the big things when you know God's will for you is holiness, your holiness, but I'm talking about specific things professionally or an area of wanting to be married or whatever it may be. When you are uncertain and you're crying out to God, Lord, which way? And there's silence. That can be a temptation. But Paul said, even that is not going to steal my joy. Even that is not going to rob me of my joy. Even though I don't have a clue what is the will of God for my life at this moment, even though the Lord did not reveal to me whether I'm going to get out of this prison and go on to Spain, which I really wanted to do, or He will take me to glory, while I don't know, oh, but that's not going to rob me of my joy either. In fact, really, Paul is torn. He really is. I mean, you can hear it in his words. He said, on the one hand, I want to stay around so that I can get more people saved and come to Christ, so that I may encourage the believers, build up the believers, build up the churches. I really want that. But then on the other hand, I want to get into that heavenly body and join the heavenly choir and begin to praise God at the throne room of God. I'm torn. Both are fine by me. When you do that, far from being intimidated, you will intimidate the devil. (laughs) Even when God does not reveal His will to you with clarity, even though you might go through uncertainty, Paul said, I'm not going to let that make me lose my joy. Why? Because he knew that sooner or later, God is going to show up. (laughs) God is going to Take care of him. God is going to guide him. God is going to lead him. God is going to unfold his plan for him, even though he might be silent for a moment. Let me tell you this as I conclude. Pastor Richard Wombrandt spent 14 years in prison for preaching the gospel. Although his captors broke four of his verbatim and literally burned 18 holes in his body. They could not defeat him. He admitted that while he was alone in the cell, cold, hungry, and in rags, 
He danced for joy every night. (laughs) One night, he leaned over to a fellow prisoner, a man whom he had led to Christ a couple of years earlier, and the man is in prison with him because of his faith in Jesus Christ. So he leaned over to his friend and he said to him, he said, have you any resentment against me that I brought you to Christ? Then came the response. I have no words to express my thankfulness that you brought me to the wonderful Savior. I would never have it any other way. Folks, we have not learned to truly live until we know what it is to keep our joy in the midst of tough circumstances, tough times. I don't know what is conspiring against you, to tempt you to lose your joy. I don't know, but you do. Whatever it is, it will vanish before your own eyes. It will vanish. Do you know why? When you determine to keep your joy, when Christ is the center, when His glory is your focus and your goal. And the only way to keep your joy is when you refuse to be intimidated and live totally for Him. There may be someone here today who's been into religion and churches and churchianity and never really understood what it means to have intimacy with Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord and the Master of your life. Why don't you today say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, deliver me, to eternal life. And you know, the Bible said the moment you do that, He heard you from heaven, and He will answer you, and He will forgive your sins, and heal you, and restore you. But then there may be others here who have lost your joy. You've gone through rough times, and the devil succeeded in getting people and events and circumstances to steal your joy, and you've lost that joy. Why don't you today say, Lord Jesus, like David prayed, restore to me the joy of my salvation and help me on a daily basis to keep that joy. Father, what a privilege and honor that the very God of the universe invites us to come and to participate and to receive His forgiveness The very God of the universe laid down His glory and died on a cross so that He may satisfy your justice and so that everyone who would come to Him, everyone who would run to Him, everyone who would take Him for refuge as their Savior and Lord, as the only Savior, will have eternal life. Thank you, Father. And Father, we pray for those who have lost their joy or in the process of losing their joy. May this day be a day of renewal of that joy. For we pray in the mighty name, the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.